This homily was preached in Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee on February 20th, 2022. It is a greater sin to be offended than it is to offend. It is a greater sin to be offended than it is to offend. More on that in a moment. We have a lot of work to do today with our lectionary readings that at first appear quite straightforward, however challenging to our sensibilities they may be. We hear the words of Jesus, for instance, who says to those who would follow in his way of love, to you who listen, I say, love your enemies. Do well to those who hate you. Bless those cursing you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, turn the other also. And from him who takes your cloak, give your tunic. Don't you just find Jesus so irritating at times? Love your enemies, to which we often respond, well, Jesus said I had to love them. He said nothing about having to like them. Pray for those who revile them, and we say, yes, Lord, would you please, please help them find another job in a different city. <laughs> to him who strikes you, offer the other side of your face, and we say, oh, come on, Jesus, be reasonable now. I've never used one of those dating apps. They were invented after I was married. But sometimes when I'm reading Jesus, I just want to swipe left and see if there's a more attractive Messiah waiting around the other corner. What we don't realize, however, is that Jesus is inviting us to a bit of holy mischief. You see, in the ancient world, if you were to strike your servant on the face, you had to do so with the backside of your left hand, which is a very awkward challenge when someone turns to you the right side of their face. To strike with your right hand or the open palm of your hand communicated that the one with whom you were fighting is your equal. What Jesus is instigating here is the encouragement to those who are reviled to own their human dignity, to do so in such ways that our enemies cannot but deal with us as equals. Turning the other cheek forces the other to own their hate as self-hatred. It's a subtlety that we often overlook today, concerned as we are with fighting back, believing that a show of strength is how I maintain my dignity, how I prove myself as a leader, as a force to be reckoned with. This is playing out on the world stage right now, as it does so in many ways in our everyday encounters. Yet as Paul writes in his letter to Timothy, servants of Christ, if we are to teach and lead others, which is our calling, we must not engage in such quarrels. We must be gentle toward all. Only then, says Paul, can we speak in such ways as to be heard. Only then will our actions have a calming effect on others. How we speak is what we say. How we speak is what we say. 
And the manner of my speaking reveals the intentionality of my heart. It it reveals who my habits of life are making me to be, even if it's not who I want to be or who I think I am becoming. And here's what happens in our relationships with others. When someone acts or speaks harshly to us, we tend to judge them not by what they think they are trying to convey. We judge them rather solely by their actions, solely by their speech. Yet when it comes to judging ourselves, we do so based on what we believe in our minds we are attempting to say, what we are attempting to do. Psychologists call this the double standard effect, where we judge others by their outward displays, but judge ourselves by our interior thoughts. For instance, I might say to Amanda before we walk out the door to go to dinner, is that what you're wearing? Now hear me out. In my mind, in my mind, what sounds like a benign question can cause a great deal of marital strife. What I'm thinking, as she walks down the hall in blue jeans and a t-shirt, and I'm standing there in dress pants and a sport coat with my collar on, is something along the lines of, if you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, I'm going to go change. What she hears, however, is something entirely different. What Amanda hears is not a question about what we're going to wear when we go out to dinner. No, she hears me saying something to the effect of, and I quote, you don't love me anymore. (laughs) Now, how she got that out of what I said is mind-boggling to me. And it's taken me no less than 22 years of marriage to figure out that what I was supposed to say is something like, I love you, you're so cute. I'm going to go change. (laughs) We all do this. Someone comments on something we've said or done, and our insecurity steps in. And we become offended when they were simply asking a question. And our felt sense of being judged often arises out of our own propensity to judge. And so while the other person may have wronged us, they may have said something unkind, if I do not deal with my own insecurity, I will never be relieved of my felt need to judge others in self-defense. Now, we've gone far apace from someone commenting on my attire, but when Jesus says that we are to love, pray, and care for the wicked and ungrateful, which includes that guy who flipped me off in traffic this past week because I was evidently slowing him down. When Jesus gives this command, he tells us that we are to love and to show kindness because that's who God is. God gives to the ungrateful. God forgives the unforgivable. And we who are children of the Most High are to be as Christ toward all. We are not to relate to our enemies as enemies, but as children of the Most High. Francisco de Osuna, an obscure Franciscan mystic from the 17th century, speaks of this in terms of our readiness to be offended. 
saying that it is a greater sin to be offended than it is to offend. I just want to swipe left on him too. This is a hard saying, especially amidst our cancel culture where it seems like we're all just waiting to be offended. I can't believe she said that. I'm done with her. She's canceled. This is precisely what Jesus is talking about here in Luke's gospel. Be compassionate toward those without compassion. Love the unlovable. Forgive the unforgivable. Give yourself for the good of others. That last line about giving is difficult to translate neatly into English. It usually comes across as something like give and it will be given you. Give and you shall receive. But the operative word in the Greek is dothesitai, which especially given its context is more appropriately translated as something like give and you will be given. Give and you will be given. You see, in Christ, the giver, the gift, and the act of giving are not three separate things. They are one. I give myself when I give a gift, and the manner of my giving is conditioned by my habits of life. How I give reveals who I am becoming through the practices I embody each and every day. And so I have to ask myself, what am I putting into circulation through my habits of life? Am I cultivating anxiety by always pointing out to others what's wrong with the world or how someone is an irritant in my life? Or am I circulating kindness, gentleness, the meekness of Christ? whereby I work hard to give others the benefit of the doubt and resist the temptation to jump to conclusions. I think this is what the psalmist is getting at when he writes, do not fret. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. Rather be still and wait for the Lord. The challenge we face is that our attention is so often directed toward what others need to change. And so I neglect the transformation of heart that God is trying to work out in me. We can change all that other stuff. We can change everything and everyone around us, but if we are not putting into circulation the peace of Christ, then we will never know peace. We may sweep the world clean of militarism, says the great journalist Arthur Brisbane. We may scrub the world white of autocracy. We may carpet it with democracy and drape it with the flag of republicanism. We may hang on the walls the thrilling pictures of freedom. Here, the signing of the American independence. There, the thrilling portrait of Joan of Arc. Yonder, the Magna Carta. And on this side, the inspiring of Garibaldi. We can spend effort and energy to make the world a paradise itself where the lion of capitalism can lie down with the proletarian lamb. But if we turn into that splendid room, mankind, with the same old heart, wicked and deceitful, we may expect, says Brisbane, to clean house not many days hence for what we need what we need is a peace conference with the Prince of Peace, 
You see, the transformation of the world, the transformation of our communities and of our churches begins not with rescheduling youth sports around church life, though I wish they would. It doesn't begin with separating ourselves from our enemies, however annoying some people may be. It doesn't begin with finding more efficient ways of doing church, improving our websites, as important as these things might become. It begins, rather, with me. It begins with recognizing that what and how I give is who I am becoming. As James reminds in his epistle, every good and perfect gift is from above. And so here we come full circle to Paul's letter to the Corinthians from our lectionary reading today, where we find that we are so often asking the wrong questions. The Corinthians want to know, for instance, what kind of body do they get at the resurrection? Hey, Paul, and I'm, am I going to be young and spry like I was at 17? Am I going to finally be lean and fit, or am I stuck with this? Will I get my hair back, Paul? <laughs> and Paul says, stop worrying about things that none of us have answers to and that don't really matter anyway. Live, says Paul. Live the resurrected life that we have been given in Jesus Christ. This is what we know. Be the gentleness of God. Be the kindness of God. Be the forgiveness of God. Be the love of God. Be the gift that we have been given to be. Give and we will be given. Give, and we will become the good and perfect gift of God from above that in Christ we have been given to be. Amen. friends. I'm Father Billy Daniel. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. This podcast features sermons, reflections, and occasional conversations intended to help you find meaningful ways to engage in the spiritual life, to newly reflect on scripture and sacred writings, and to foster good conversation, all for the singular purpose of helping you become more present to the God who is ever-present with you in Christ. To learn more about me or to explore my books and other writings, go to www.williamdaniel.info. There you can sign up for bi-weekly reflections and updates or learn how I can be available to you or your church in deepening your life in Christ. Thank you again for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Christ's peace be with you.